Welcome, everyone, to the Sages Among Us. Nevada County has a legacy of rich resources from sparkling rivers of water and gold to amazing scenery and recreational opportunity. But like many places, its most amazing resource may be the people who live here, particularly those who work to make it a better place for everyone. The Sages Among Us attempts to find out who these people are, why they do what they do, and how their efforts make a positive difference for all of us. I'm your host, Brian Buckley, and our guest tonight is very much engaged in helping people during what is likely the most stressful and challenging time in their lives. As a public defender, Susan Leff represents people of limited means who are charged with the crime. Her experience includes service as a public defender in San Joaquin, Stanislaus, Napa, and San Francisco counties prior to coming to Nevada County. She also served as an adjunct law professor at Golden Gate University and for the past two decades as a board member and regular presenter for the California Public Defenders Association. Along the way, she's been recognized with several awards, including the Profiles and Courage Award from the National Defense Investigators Association and most recently, the Defender of the Year from the California Public Defenders Association. Susan, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Thank you for having me, Brian. Well, it's definitely our pleasure and uh, <clears throat> there was a, a reason that we're, we're here tonight. I know back in December or January when we uh, first tried to schedule this for a number of reasons, uh, we decided on March 29th. And can you share with us what makes uh, today an appropriate day to have you on The Sages Among Us? Well, I'm delighted to talk with you this month because this is the 60-year anniversary of the Gideon versus Wainwright opinion. And that was a, un a unanimous decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. But before I tell you about the decision... Not, not a 5-4. Not a 5-4, unanimous decision, which is just striking. But before I tell you about the decision, I want to tell you about Mr. Gideon. Mr. Gideon was a guy who lived in Florida. He was fairly low educated man and he was charged with robbing a bar, his local bar. Why would you ever rob your own local bar? That's crazy. But he was uh, charged with having stolen some coins from his local bar and he was charged with a felony. And he went to trial and proclaimed his innocence and he asked the judge to appoint a public defender for him. And the judge said no. And Mr. Gideon went to trial against a trained prosecutor and he lost the case. And he was sitting in his jail cell and he hand wrote an opinion that he should have had a public defender appointed for him. And he wrote it off in what's called a writ and that writ was sent to the Supreme Court. They took his handwritten letter as a, wow. a writ decision. I know, it's a, such a great story. Um, and they took up his case and they unanimously decided in 1963, March 18th, I get teary just talking about it, it's crazy. Uh, they unanimously decided that Mr. Gideon was right. And the postscript to the story is also fantastic, which is he went to trial Again, he was retried because the Supreme Court said, yes, you absolutely should have had a public defender appointed for you. He went to trial again, this time with a public defender, and he was found not guilty. So, again, I, I don't know ending. why I'm crying, but um, it's such a powerful story of, of what it means to have someone stand up for you what it means to have the resources of the court more balanced, what it means for the legal system to have somebody available to help you through the labyrinth of the criminal legal system. Um, and Mr. Gideon um, changed everything. Now, I do have to say, he didn't change it necessarily 
for everyone because here in California, we had our own um, strong female advocate. Her name was Clara Foltz. Clara, um, I can't remember her middle name. But Clara Foltz, if you ever go down to Los Angeles, the criminal courts building is the Clara Foltz building. Okay. And Clara Foltz actually was a wonderful um, icon. And it's great to talk about her during Women's History Month because Clara Foltz um, was the first woman to be barred in California as a lawyer. And Clara Foltz. That means not barred from being a lawyer. Right. That she was the first woman to, to be. Pass the bar. Yeah, to pass yeah. the bar in California. Um, she set up, I believe, the, the legal system around around um, for juveniles, and she um, was a, a real advocate for public defenders before there were public defenders. And my understanding is that the first public defender's office in the country was in Los Angeles, wow. uh, thanks to Clara Fultz. So we here in California have had public defender's offices, not across the entire state, but county by county. Um, and Los Angeles, I think, was first, San Francisco and Alameda shortly after that. So, so there were other states that preceded the Supreme Court decision as well, but the Supreme Court decision made it universal in the United States. Is that correct? I, I believe that's correct, and I believe the <clears throat> first one in the country was L.A.'s. I could be mistaken about yeah. that, but I believe that because of Clara Foltz, Los Angeles had the first recognized public defender's office. I absolutely could be wrong about that fact, um, but I believe that to be the case. And right. she, it certainly was the first that I know of in California. Yay, California. Yay, California. Okay, well, that gives us great context for having you here tonight. Um, let's go back to where your life as a public defender first started. I, I know you moved to California after you graduated from college in New York. I did. Uh, tell us about that. So um, I came to California 30 years ago. Actually, it'll be 31 years ago this year. Um, I came with nothing. I came without family here. I came without financial resources. I came to California to start fresh and to start new. Um, I guess you could say I was a bit of a runaway. And um, I came out here to go to law school, and on my very first day of law school, my world changed, which is um, actually what brought me to Nevada County was I met Carrie, she was then known with a different last name, but Carrie Klein, who's the public defender here in Nevada County. I met her on our very first day of law school. Um, so our friendship stems back to 30 more, 30 or more years ago. Um, and then I was really fortunate because in law school, I met um, people who encouraged me to use my voice and use my power and my privilege to help other people. And uh, Carrie and I both, during our summer after our first year of law school, went to work at the Contra Costa County Public Defender's Office, which is where I met uh, Leslie Caldwell, who became the Solano County Public Defender, and Oscar Bobro, who was another public defender, and people who just really kind of lit me on fire. And all throughout my career, I've been so lucky to be mentored, and I've been so fortunate to be mentored by people who care very deeply about the work that we do and um, people who encouraged me, you know, again, coming from nothing and not knowing any public defenders or not knowing, I didn't have any lawyers in my family, I'm the first. Um, I was so particularly lucky to find my family and public defenders. Um, and um, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the, it's part of being in, in a chain of people who care from Clara Fultz, uh, all the way through to the next generation that I, I try to help and assist in training. So, so you uh, had been admitted to law school when you first came to California. That right. Was the and did you 
already intend to become a public defender, or was that, that a decision that developed during your time at law school? You know, that's a tough one for me to answer. I can say that I always wanted to use my voice and my power and my privilege to help other people. My first letter to the editor when I was 11 years old was for, you know, stop animal cruelty and testing on animals. Um, and I, I can tell you that a pivotal moment for me before I came to California was that I had um, been the president of the Amnesty International chapter at, at Barnard and Columbia University, Barnard College, Columbia University. And um, what, Bar what you may know about Amnesty International is that we write letters and it's a, it's, a, it's a way to try to free political prisoners. And one day, you know, here I am, just this young college student, and I go to my college mailbox and I open my mailbox and I found a letter there from somebody's handwriting I didn't recognize. And it was a political prisoner who I and other people had written letters to advocate for their release. And this person, um, I got the letter translated because it was in Spanish, this person was saying thank you and writing letters back to every single person who had helped I'm getting chills just telling you this story. Um, every single person who had written a letter on his behalf, he wrote letters back to thanking them and telling us all that he was now free. And I think when I look back at my life, I think, God, you know, the fact that you could use words and a letter to change somebody's life, you could change the outcome of somebody's family and their history and and everything by using words what an incredible gift that is and um i've just been really fortunate that people have always encouraged me to use my words um and that's the power that i think i bring i'm passionate about what i do i care very deeply um and i use my words to help people and what a what an amazing gift that is yeah to have that ability well that that's a wonderful story and uh it actually um you may have already answered the next question I was planning to ask you, which was, was there any kind of a watershed event in your life that really helped solidify a direction or change a direction for you that's really affected you know, who you are now and what you're doing now? I can say that um, besides that experience when I was in college, the next kind of pivotal fork in the road for me was that, um, as I told you a few minutes ago, Carrie and I both had the opportunity to go be um, interns at the Public Defender's Office in Contra Costa County. And I had the opportunity to work on a motion to, um, it's, it's a motion under the Fourth Amendment, where you're basically saying, Judge, yes, it's true that this person was found with contraband or something they shouldn't have had, but the way that that evidence was collected was wrong. And that's, um, I, I know a lot of people up here really love the Second Amendment, but my favorite, my heart is very close to the Fourth Amendment. Um, and so I had the opportunity as a law student, I was given the opportunity. Well, isn't the Fourth Amendment twice as good? I would, I would say it's <laughs> much, much better. Okay. Um, but that's my, that's my personal belief. Um, but what happened was I got the opportunity as a law student to go to court and argue for a juvenile who had had his locker searched. Um, and he was a young black juvenile in uh, Contra Costa County who was charged with having drugs in his locker. And I was given the opportunity to argue that the search was illegal. Clearly the drugs were what they were. Um, and the judge agreed and the judge um, suppressed the evidence. That's the outcome where the evidence is, yes, the judge agreed that the officer had done something illegal by searching the young man's locker and the judge threw out the evidence or suppressed the evidence is what we say. And um, 
that was like the most incredible thing I could ever think of was using my words to help a young man get back on his feet and to get that off of his record because it's a criminal charge and the consequences are very serious and very significant and particularly for somebody who's young and they have you know juvenile brain and adolescent brain development issues and to be able to get that person another opportunity to clear their record and move on and get mm -hmm. past it was just I can't say there, there's anything that changed me more than that experience and walking out of the courtroom, a juvenile courtroom, and having this young man shake my hand and thank me for arguing for him and fighting for him. Um, and it's, it's one of the most incredible things I could have ever experienced. And I found that to be just, that was, that was the one I wanted to chase. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just chase that experience and keep going and, and keep doing it. And that's one of the things I love to do in court. Right. Yeah, definitely. A an empowering moment. For so, sure. Yeah. For sure. Changed my but, life. Well, you know, you, you've already alluded to a couple of people who have been influential for you. Um, you know, are there any others uh, that have been mentors or guides or supporters along the way? Anybody you'd like to thank, you know, publicly at, at this point for, you know, their Abs help in your life? Absolutely. I've been so fortunate. I mean, I, I can't even express all my gratitude but first I would definitely have to say Carrie Klein for bringing me up here to Nevada County where I'm you know living the dream um, I have my just the ideal job that I love that fits my personality and my family is really happy here um, we got a dog because <laughs> we can live here and have a dog um, so I my first thank you would be to Carrie Klein uh, she's just an amazing advocate and just I'm so grateful for her friendship and her confidence in me. Um, and I would just say that um, I've been so very fortunate and very lucky. I see myself as a link in the chain, a chain that goes backwards and forwards through time and space. Um, and the public defenders who sort of helped me, you know, I'm, I'm the first to say that I make lots and lots of mistakes. And if I get it right, it's because someone taught me right. And if I get it wrong, it's my own fault. Um, but when I was, you know, just graduating from law school, um, I got a job at the San Joaquin County Public Defender's Office, and it was like finding my family. Um, they were crazy, they were funny, they were smart, and every day I would go, like what people would do is they would go get their lunch or they'd bring their lunch and everyone would be at a backgammon table. Um, and everyone would play backgammon together, and I would just absorb the conversations. And um, I have to say that, that I didn't pass my probation in that county um, for reasons that don't need to go be gone. <laughs> into now but I will say that when I left there they threw me a, a little party and they said don't open this bag until you get home okay if a bunch of public defenders tell you not to open a bag you're gonna be curious about what might be in there but they paid my rent they paid my rent for the next two months wow. um, and I'll always be so grateful for that. It was such a vote of confidence and kindness. It was such a generous act. And then, the, again, I'm just going to shout out to San Joaquin County, the public defenders there. I got my mentors. Um, you know, I got my next two jobs from the folks in that county, people calling and saying, hey, this young lady needs a job. Can you hire her? And so my next job uh, started, I, I, my last day of work in San Joaquin County was on a Friday. I got my new job on a Monday. I had uh -huh. was interviewed in Modesto and started working in Stanislaw County. My next job after that was through my friends from San Joaquin County. Um, it's just a hardworking 
kind, funny group of people. And I um, feel like that's the kind of community we have up here too. Just hardworking group of lawyers. This Nevada County Public Defender's Office is amazing, hardworking, dedicated, fierce, smart advocates um, who care very deeply for our clients and um, the compassion. You know, when, when there was snowmageddon and snowpocalypses, folks from our office were working at the warming shelter. Um, just the kindness of the public defender's office here that brings me back to the way it was when I started in San Joaquin County and why I continued on in my journey as a public defender. Right. Um, so yeah, I would just say I'm grateful to be here in Nevada County, led by a great um, public defender, working with great colleagues, um, and just living, living kind of a great life. It's right. really an amazing thing to be able to do what you love. Sounds like uh, you found home again. I did, for sure. You're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Brian Buckley, and we're talking today with Susan Leff, Assistant Public Defender for Nevada County. Uh, for tonight's show, you're also invited to join in the conversation. Our engineer, Ralph Henson, will take your calls uh, off the air if you have a question or a comment for Susan. Um, <clears throat> do want to uh, make sure that you know that we, we can't offer any free legal advice uh, tonight on air. Um, but if you do have a, a question or, or comment for Susan, please feel free to call us at KVMR. That's 530-265-9555. Uh, we'll take a short break and be back with more in just a few seconds. Welcome back to The Sages Among Us. I'm Brian Buckley, and we're talking tonight with Susan Leff, Assistant Public Defender for Nevada County. You know, Susan, one of the things that The Sages Show is interested in finding out about people who've been civically engaged, such as yourself, is what they get out of it. Obviously, you get a decent paycheck from being a public defender, but as you look at that part of your life, what kind of sustaining satisfaction do you get out of your work um, that you've done and that you continue to do and you know you've you've alluded to several things al already but maybe you can elaborate on that sure I'd love to um, I think one of the <clears throat> most incredible things I get to do as the assistant public defender in Nevada County is I get to help people who have worked really hard to overcome significant and serious challenges in their lives to put it behind them I mean we all make mistakes we all have things that we're ashamed of. We're all people who have flaws. And, you know, one of the things I was working on right before I came to, to see you, Brian, was I was working on a, a client's case where this person has really put their past behind them. They've moved on with their life. They, they were engaged in some stuff when they had a drug addiction uh, problem, but they've moved on. They've become a different person. They have a family. They have a job. They have all the things that make them worthy and entitled to being full members of our society. And what I get to do that I absolutely love is I get to go and help people clear their records. Um, and I think it's it's a real thing I feel very passionate about. It Maybe it doesn't get all public defenders as excited as it get, makes me, but when I can help somebody to get their arrest records sealed, when they've done all the things right, when when we've gone through the process and on the other side of it, they've come back and now this thing that they've done can become a distant memory. It can be something, I, I always like to tell my clients, you know, someday, 
no matter how bad this feels right now, this is going to be in your rearview mirror. And you're going to be able to put this behind you. Because what I fear is that people can get re really eaten up by the things that they've done. Um, you know, as I've become, you know, more involved in, in, in learning as a public defender, there's this thing called the shame cycle. And when people do things that are wrong or that they're ashamed of, it can really eat them alive and it can cause them to just keep going down and down in a shame spiral shame spiral and if i can help somebody by clearing their record if i can help somebody put something in their past and put it in their rearview mirror and help them you know walk through the labyrinth of the criminal legal system and get to the other side of it um, it's an incredible gift and like i said not all public defenders love that kind of work some people love the challenge of trials and get really excited about that but for me when I see a client that I represented and they're out at the coffee shop or they're out walking their dog or they're out just having, living their life, you know, and, and I've helped them in some way to put what they did behind them, um, it gives me an incredible sense of gratitude for being able to do what I do. Sounds like the perfect situation where both you and your client are just totally living up to that human potential. It, it's really, really amazing. And I, I have to say, I love bringing those motions in court because the judge and the DA also get to enjoy that. We all want to see people succeed. Right. I mean, those of us who care about our community, we don't want people here to fail. And when I get to bring those motions and I get to show the judge, hey, judge, look, here's their driver's license. Here's their um, graduate certificate. They graduated from a program. They've done these things that we all want them to do. They're really putting this in their past and they've moved on. It's such a gift, and it, it, I think it strengthens our community. Um, I see the judges smile when they grant those motions. I see the DAs smile when they grant those motions, and it's a really nice collaborative moment for me. It's not all I do, but um, it's a big part of what I love about what I do. Well, you know, given that the term justice has become a rallying cry in the last few years, I'd like to explore the concept of justice with you for a little bit. You know, first, what role do public defenders play in the justice system? Well, some people would say it's not a criminal justice system, it's a criminal legal system, and I tend to err on that side, because um, there's not a lot of justice sometimes that can be found in it. I would say that one of the roles that we public defenders play is we work with members of the community. We work collaboratively a lot of times with the district attorneys, with the probation department. I think our probation department here, if I can just shout out, I think our probation department here is incredible. I've never worked with a probation department um, like this one. I just can't say I ever have. And I think that what we can do in our roles in the criminal legal system is that we can work together and find outcomes that are, it can't happen in all cases. Clearly, that's not the way it can work in all cases. But in some cases, it's a matter of working together and finding an outcome that everyone can live with. And sometimes um, it's thinking outside the box creatively. Um, you know, I had a, a client today who was trying to put his past behind him. And, you know, we talked about the idea of, you know, give something back to your community. You did this thing. It was a dumb thing you did. You were a kid. We get that. Do some community service. Go work at the food bank. And, and, and give something back to your community. Show us that you're really committed to putting this in your past. And, and I thought it was really great. And the judge and the district attorney who was assigned the case, we all work collaboratively. We came up with a solution. And hopefully the person will, you know, step up and do that part. I think it benefits the community. You can't do that in all cases, obviously. But in some of the lower level cases, you can.
Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that in a community like this one, where people are open-minded and willing to work with you, I think is really fantastic. It doesn't work all the time, but when it works, it's really it, it's a win for everybody. Wonderful. So I, I love that part of my job. Well, you know, having worked within, I was going to say justice system, but let's say the legal system, having worked within the legal system for years, has your own concept of justice evolved? You know, and if so, in, in what way? I think in some of the more serious cases that I handle, um, the criminal legal system is not a good fit. The criminal legal system can't bring back somebody who's been injured to the point where their lives have been changed. Um, the criminal legal system isn't set up to make people whole again. It can't. It's not restorative. And so I think for me, a lot of what I do is I try to bring as much... Uh, bring as much of the restoration as I can. Sometimes that's just not possible. You can't bring someone back who's not here anymore. You can't fix broken things, but you can move towards a less broken world. And I think that public defenders help play a role in the criminal legal system by trying to make sure that the the, the system is more balanced. You know, I think the story of, of Clarence Gideon is really powerful because when his advocate was there for him, he had a fair trial and he was found on the other side of it not to be guilty. And I think part of what I get to do is I get to stand up and say, you know what, let's make sure this process happened the right way. And if it did, the outcome is going to go the way you think. But if it wasn't on the right way, then I'm going to stand up and I'm going to use my voice to say, no, this wasn't right. And I love when the system makes room for that. It doesn't always, but when it makes room for someone to stand up and say, you know what, we need to take a closer look at this. Did this really happen? the way it supposedly happened, or is something else going on here? Um, I think that public defenders can be collaborative, but I think we can also shine a light on issues. I think um, California has really been leading the nation in terms of some of our criminal reforms in our legal system. I think restorative justice, I think that um, we have helped change the laws. When I came out of law school, you know, there was there was no room for challenging some of the things that we're challenging today. There was no room that we didn't have a criminal justice, act, racial justice act. We didn't have, there wasn't room for those conversations. And there wasn't room to talk about what was happening to some of our clients because of their race, because of their ethnicities, because of their genders, because they were different. And I think that um, public defenders push the envelope. Sometimes we're not liked for pushing the envelope. But I think we... Um, get to do that and that's a real um, honor, it's a yeah, real privilege yeah. to do. And I think that's a really um, important part of the legal system that you need somebody to stand up on the other side and say, wait a minute, let's make sure that this is a little bit more balanced. Have we really looked at this closely? It sounds like in, in some ways you uh, could consider yourself quality control. I would whole, absolutely whole, say quality control. And that doesn't mean I think I get it right all the time. I get it wrong a lot of the time. But I think standing up for people and giving them a... It's not that our clients don't have a voice. They have a voice, but their voice hasn't been heard sometimes. And I think being able to help amplify other people's voices right. is a really incredible thing to do, especially people who are poor, people who are powerless, people who are not seen by the criminal legal system. I think it's a really incredible gift to be able to stand up and speak for them, and I, I feel very privileged. You know, we don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted to uh, discuss briefly at least uh, one of what I think is a distinguishing mark of, of your career, and that's the amount of time you've spent um, as a trainer doing professional development for other public defenders and 
as a board member for the California Public Defenders Association. Tell us about that and, uh, you know, why you put in that extra effort instead of just going home at the end of a <laughs> tough public defender day. You know, I really think it goes back to what I said earlier, being part of a link in the chain, you know, that goes forward in space and time. Anything that I can give to some other public defender or some other person that benefits their client, I think is a real gift. I love training young lawyers. I think, you know, my mom was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher. Um, my husband's mom was a teacher. His aunt was a teacher. I think there's definitely a, a teacher part of me and having been a, a law, you know, adjunct law professor, I, I love the part where I can help somebody else. None of us should be reinventing the wheel. Um, and so anything that I can do to give and pay forward what was given to me, I think, is a real um, is a responsibility that I take very seriously. Okay. Well, you know, we are uh, very close to running out of time, but I was wondering if you had any final thoughts you'd like to share with us about... Uh, your life, your commitment, uh, the work of a public defender. I would love to see people come to the courthouse. Come and watch what we do for a living. You will be amazed at what you see. You'll be amazed at the variety of what's going on in the courthouse. You'll be amazed at the advocacy that you see. I think come come watch the courthouse. Come court watch. Um, come see what we do. Come, you know, lots of people have lots of opinions about public defenders and prosecutors and judges. Come and watch us. Come and see what we do. I, I think it'd be really great for the public to know more about what we do and see us firsthand in our element. Great. Well, Susan, I'd love to uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. And, it, it was uh, a privilege. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. The purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of their community, discover how others are making a difference, and how you, too, can be part of the positive in this region by tuning into The Sages Among Us on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Next week's show will feature Nevada County Council member uh, Lou Cece, interviewed by host Keith Porter.